Welcome to Tiger Pops Podcast, a place to dissect, analyze, and swoon over the webtoon Midnight Poppyland. Every week, we'll go through another episode and break down character development, relationship regression, plot, symbolism, body language, and more. And of course, we'll be bringing out those tinfoil hats for some theory time. Every week, we'll be joined by sharp-witted, detail-obsessed, and dare I say, thirsty fans ready to tackle the latest gem. Let the analysis begin. Welcome to episode three of Midnight Poppyland, the Tiger Pops podcast. And today we have Ashleen and Sarah. So would you like to introduce yourselves? Sure. I'm Ashleen Sheffelt. I'm from both the Feminist Critique and Disney Dives, and I'm pretty excited to be here. I'm Sarah Hernandez. This is my first podcast I ever do, and so I'm excited, especially since it's um, a Midnight Poppyland one. Awesome. We are all excited. We're all obsessed here. And that's why we're on this podcast. So episode three, we, um, we finished off with episode two where, um, she just, Poppy just washed herself off in the bathroom and she's waiting at this train station and Tora comes and like looms over her. That's where we left off last time with the whole analysis of the shadow and the light. And here we are. And it starts out with Poppy listening to the sound of cicadas, cicadas. I don't know how do you pronounce that. Cicadas. And cicadas. Thanks. Yeah. You know, ironically, I lived in Memphis where there were cicadas all the time. I guess I don't think it was pronounced cicadas here. Whatever the case is, some words I like more mostly read rather than hear. But <laughs> anyway, I definitely heard a lot of, um, I think we pronounced it cicadas over there. I don't know. But I definitely heard a lot of those over there. It was like roaring. Like at night, you couldn't hear yourself because they were just so loud. So anyway, she she hasn't heard them for three months just since she moved to the city. So, you know, we know how how long she's been apart from jewelry from here. And she's thinking about how many, you know, how many pages did I leave? And she realizes she's missing a page and it's the most important one, which and she's like, oh, I have to recreate it from memory. Which I don't know, like, doesn't she have a digital version? Like this is this is the 2000s, but whatever. I, I feel the same way where like, didn't she have it on her laptop or something? You know, but um, may is it typed up or is it written? That's you know, ah, maybe um, because some people well, like me, like maybe it's maybe like a rough draft in a way. Maybe she just like writes it down before she ends up typing it up. It could be that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Poppy is really dedicated to work because she's like, oh, if I get back to the office now, I can still squeeze in a couple of hours of work. Um, she's very dedicated to her work and like a studious responsible person. And then she kind of feels Tora hovering over her. She sees it as like a shadow falls over her and she, she looks, but at that point, Tora has already turned his back to her and walked, started walking away. Yeah. And, uh, she looks over and it's, she kind of just, you know, says to herself, like, is this just my imagination or like, you know, there, there's something going on with this guy like he she's getting a bad feeling right and she feels like cold like a cold feeling around him which is very strange and Tora at this point like he's a master of you know disguise and acting like he's he's far away and his slouching and his hands are in his one hand is in his pocket and the other hand he like puts up with his phone to his ear you know pretending that he's on a phone call because he he's observant he picked up that she noticed him mm-hmm. well exactly and she looks over for a moment right uh, and is observing him until somebody's like, hey, move it. Like, you're in the way. And she's like, oh, oh I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and then, like, the people behind her are, like, you know, talking and, you know, saying, like, some pretty mean stuff about her. Like, oh, these countryside people, they move so slowly. 
I know what what a jerk the guy is. Oh yeah, exactly. And she's like, I just got distracted. You don't have to be a jerk. It's not every day right. that, <laughs> that someone gets like a bad feeling. Yeah, and she's um, it's emphasizing the fact that like she's from the country, like the difference between country people and city people. Mm-hmm. So bringing it back here, and I guess she's still trying um, to get used. I guess uh, now that she lives in the city, because they saw somewhere that just barely she's in the city for been in there for like three months, or did she move there three months ago? Yeah, so it's still kind of new, right? Oh, and it's a big condition for her. Well, exactly. And she kind of like mentions that like, you know, oh, it's pretty crowded around this time because people from the city uh, go out to the country for their vacation. Right. So and it's because, you know, it's a it's a nice area and people want to go out into nature in the summer. Yeah, it's actually, you know, we know that um, her birthday is like in March. So and basically, I mean, from from later, this is is around March time, April, March. Sorry, uh, not April, March, um, February, March. So it's either end of February or or really early March here. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, this is um this is putting together information from like Patreon, I think, and later episodes where <laughs> the level of obsession we have. So <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so and then she suddenly, you know, she she's walking, she's excited to sit down and, and relax because she's emotionally drained and physically drained from her day with, you know, jewelry cheating on her and her outbreak in the forest. And then suddenly she hears, left something behind. <laughs> the first words that Nora says to her is left something behind. And then she turns and uh, it's actually a really pretty picture where she like, you know, turns and then there's a full body shot of him just standing there. Right. And she's like, oh, it's that dude from like the platform, the one I got a weird feeling. And she doesn't know what to say but she you know ends up like i don't think so and he doesn't Mm -hmm. say anything really he just like pulls out this piece of paper and she's just like god he's just staring at me what are you doing like come on right and this is the torah's you know classic tool he's a master at like gazing at people intently and facial expressions and holding people's attention oh yeah absolutely so then he takes like the paper out reads a few lines right and then she's like, uh, I think you have the wrong person. Until, you know, he tells her, um, touching interview, how long did it take you? It looks like hours of work to me, which this is Tora in his more like gangster mode, right? You know, it's like, I got something that you want and I'm going to make you want it back. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so she's like, oh, my God, it's my research paper, the missing page. And then he like folds it up into an airplane and then like throws it at her. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, she ends up catching it. Um, but because of that, you know, action of catching it and her uh, outfit having, you know, from the the crash earlier, it uh, splits open her shirt. Mm-hmm. And uh, he ends up taking a picture because he needs some, you know, information. Right. But mm-hmm. now he just looks like a pervert. Yep. <laughs> and... You know, he's kind of like shocked. You see the picture on his face, like when he, he has his phone up and he's like, <laughs> his eyes are a little wide, his mouth's open. He's like, oh, shoot, I didn't realize that this was going to happen. And she, she colored the picture and... at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, it, it's that moment of like, uh, I guess it's kind of like a trope in anime where it's like the pervert <laughs> on the train sort of deal. And that's kind of what this feels like. It's the, yeah. oh, no, the pervert on the train. 
So I guess I don't read enough anime. I, I didn't know that was a trope. <laughs> well, I, I think it was because like during the 90s and 2000s, there was like actually a serious problem with like dudes feeling up women on the train. Right. So then because of that, it was used as like a thing in um, in anime of like, you know, the pervert there. Mm hmm. Yeah, and that enough, uh, she's already having a bad day, and this just made it worse. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And everybody's, yeah. you know, like, looking, they're like, what the heck is going on over there, right? So he ends up then. taking off his sweater, throws it at her, and then somebody comes over to, you know, check on her, right? Yeah, and that to me, you know, that's Torah in a nutshell. Like, he does what he has to do in order to get his like work done but he's sensitive and he is he picks up on people's emotional needs right away and he you know she's embarrassed doesn't hesitate takes off his you know literally the shirt off his back and gives it to her oh this guy yeah and yeah oh exactly like he he throws it at her and she's like did you see the dude like the weird one with the long hair and the woman's like eh, i don't know i kind of saw him um but like he he got off the train before like they even closed and now she's stuck on the train. She can't do anything about what just happened. But the woman's like, you should probably go to the cops if he, you know, did anything to you. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's so fast that like he's left the platform by the time she even goes to the door. And then you see him like on the steps um, of the train and he's like looking down. He's really like focused and he ends up, he's like, what the hell just happened back there? And he's flashing back to her this vision of her like with her eyes wide open innocently and her shirt open and he like he slips and he lands on his butt on his <laughs> so cute and like you know and then he has this like wide open eyes like the cutesy face and it's like uh, well the first indication that he a second indication because the first one happened before that he is taken with her and he like yeah, again is thinking of her chest yeah and you can see like how how he is like a little red oh yeah like he looks mm -hmm. completely dumbfounded like, he doesn't know no. what to do, but he does end up cropping the picture um, so that he could send it to uh, Ronzo there, right? Yeah. Who immediately responds with, like, whoa, who's the cutie? And he's like, <laughs> really? And you, you can tell that he's stressed because he starts smoking immediately. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he so. just goes back to thinking about her. Which, again, him cropping it, the picture is just him being a gentleman again. Like, he doesn't he doesn't owe her anything. He doesn't know her. And he's just being a gentleman to her. And he knows that she would be embarrassed if that picture was out there and crops it out. And even, even though it defeats his purposes, right? I mean, uh, I guess, you know, he, he wants, he's supposed to be getting as, as full frontal a shot as he can, but he's willing to give up the, you know, information that it would give him in order to protect her dignity. Oh yeah, absolutely. And like, I mean, there's even a part where, like, Ronzo's like, cute face, but what's, where's the rest of her body, you know, just in case, you know, like, being gross. And he's like, oh, I'm just kidding. And, uh, and he even mentions, like, that vein in your head popping, and, like, we see it. <laughs> yeah, adorable. And it also talks about here, he's like, oh, don't beat me up. Last time I couldn't leave the hospital for two weeks. So, you know, Ronzo, we see like he's clearly his friend, as we've seen so far, like someone that he gets along with, but also someone he has this interesting relationship with where he is beating him up or figuratively, literally, we're not quite sure. But, you know, establishing Tora's reputation as um, a violent person and also more more like alpha in relation to, to Ronzo. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, absolutely. And then Taurus is that he wants to find what connections uh, he has with Goliath. Do you guys think like maybe in future in a future chapter we might find out, or do you think that that's already like not a thing anymore? Um. Well, I think that there is like some sort of connection with uh, Goliath. Um. It kind of explains a little bit in some of the later chapters, but I also don't want to like ruin stuff for people, so I'm a little yeah. bit hesitant to kind of mention that. Yeah. Right. But we know he wants to find out if there's a connection with Goliath. So, yeah, we'll we'll people will will read more and we'll we'll see more about that. And also, again, here he's like, you know, he doesn't want Ronzo to keep talking about about Poppy in that way. And he's like, cut the crap, we'll break your other leg when I get back. So again, he's like, uh, he's using his intimidation and his and his violent nature to protect her already, right from the start. Yeah, which is actually pretty sweet. So this is uh, the moment where, like, they finish up the text, right? And uh, Tora's like, God, what a nosy, you know, uh, sob, right? And then uh, these two women come walking by and they're like, oh, my God, it's a cute guy. You know, <laughs> those tattoos. But, like, you know, how thrilling. Um, and, and he notices them, but he's like, he has no interest. So he, like, looks up and he's like, do you want my number? And they're they're on board. They're like, yes, absolutely. Here we go. <laughs> you see by like how they're dressed, like they're the contract distinction to Poppy. Like Poppy is is um, you know, she's like innocent, she's a cutie, she's like she's wearing pretty wholesome clothing. And these girls, like they seem more mature and more sophisticated, maybe a little older, and you know, they're wearing more revealing clothing. They're like they're they're have like their their hairstyles and their hair color is a little more mature. And like the distinction between Poppy and these kind of girls is made right away. And these girls, they see him, they're like, mm, you know, hot piece of flesh, we want him. And you know, Toro's like, he's just like, what the hell are those talking about? So effing noisy. Like he zero interest in this kind of woman. Oh yeah. So he ends up um he gives them the number or whatever, right? So uh and, and they say things like, Oh, of course he couldn't resist us, right? So they're like, yeah, we should probably call, call him up, right? And, and the the one with the, I guess purplish hair does it, and she's like, huh, what sausages? <laughs> <laughs> yep. And we'll see a little bit later at the end of the chapter, but um, you know, they they just want to use him for his body. They're like, oh, he'll you know he'll come up to our room. He might be interested in some of our toys. So they're like, you know, they just want him for his beauty and his body. That's it. I mean. Don't we all? Well, I'd like well, to. I always think about that. I was like, how would I feel about Tora if he was just average looking? You know, would we still be crazy over him? Like, I'd like to think that we would like, you know, appreciate his personality. I think we'd be a little less obsessed, but. <laughs> okay. Like, I mean, you know, first, for example, what if he looked like anarchy? Right. No, it's, it's a serious thing. Whether it's... What if he had like the same uh, dressing style as Quincy has? <laughs> oh, there, well. He would just be very glamorous then. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Quincy, Quincy's beautiful too. Different look, but also gorgeous. Oh yeah, that's true. But, but by the way, you know, physical appearance. So my undergraduate is in psychology. And one of the things that um, my professor said that was like fantastic, he said that in psychology, there's a lot of things that are um, this debatable and unknown and, you know, we're not so sure about, but he said there's like three things, three areas that psychology is hundred percent 
found that is, you know, verifiable. And one of them is the effects of physical uh, beauty on people's perceptions of you. And people think that people who are physically attractive, they ascribe to them that they're, you know, better, morally, smarter, more capable of leadership, more talented. And it's like it's this huge blinder that, you know, as soon as someone's attractive, boom, we think we associate all kinds of positive things with that. And I think about it a lot. And I, you know, I've read about it in terms of psychology. I've read a lot of those papers and it's something I really think about a lot because um, as a person like navigating through life and especially trying to get through ahead of my career, I think about like, how do I want to address myself? How do I want to present myself to the world? And sometimes I feel like very mercenary. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm going to the, I'm going to work. I got to put on my, you know, my makeup and my, you know, nicer outfit or I'm going to school. And it's just the, the effect of how people do appear is just so profound and it's a part of our reality and like how we, we give people who are beautiful, we, we give them more slack, more interest in them. Which is absolutely true because um, there was a show on uh, Netflix where they had, uh, they put, you know, some pictures of uh, like there was attractive ones and then there were uh, other people who, that were not uh, as attractive and they separated two groups, right? And they said like, hey, these are the... Um, horrible crimes that these people had done right and they Mm -hmm. used like two different models for each one and one of them was actually like quite horrifying it was like she killed her child or something it's not actually what happened but you know they use like these different models right Mm -hmm. um and then they said how much time would you give these people and the Mm -hmm. people who were deemed less attractive got more time where the people who were deemed more attractive got less time in jail yeah so it's uh it's definitely like something that is absolutely true is if you are more attractive you get um less of a harsh punishment and it does make me think of this case in canada so this happened in the 90s but it was like the paul bernardo case him and his Mm -hmm. uh wife at the time they were very gorgeous people who did some pretty horrible things and i think that's why this case was so huge at the time because people were like, but he's so handsome. How could he be, you know, this horrible Mm -hmm. person? And it's like, yeah, nice looking people can also be psychopaths. Yeah. And then, but then you got like some people making excuses for them, even when they like prove that this handsome person has done something terrible. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Well, it's yeah. it's the same with I, I guess you could use the example of like Chris Brown. Like there were still people who were defending him, like when the whole thing with uh, Rihanna was going on. Like this would have been ten years ago by now, but but still, mm-hmm. you know, right. And then you know, going back to Midnight Poppyland, uh, like a big part of the reason we're so willing to overlook Tora's thugness, besides for our like his emotional backstory and understanding that he's trapped in this life, is is his his beauty. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yep. Makes well, a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, so then it kind of like goes into the thing where he says uh it shows him driving and uh it shows her like on the train looking out. And I don't think they can like see each other, but they're like right next to each mm-hmm. other saying, like, yeah, I'll see you in the city. And then we see mm-hmm. where the sausage, chicken sausages come from. <laughs> and it's like, who the hell is Torah? And I wonder the old lady's a uh, husband, I guess. I wonder what he does because it's like, oh, whose toe did you step on this time? <laughs> I do wonder. Did like Tora go into the into the shop one time and got treated unfairly, and now he's just gonna give this number out for the rest, you know, every time? 
Yeah, this uh, Fred and Fan Fran will come up later. So keep that name in mind. <laughs> Lily also connects a lot of things. She she puts in these details and we think it's just there just as it is. But then it turns out it's connected to some larger theme. It's just uh, just so such a pleasure to read. So intellectually, you know, satisfying. Oh, absolutely. Like this is I love this comic so much. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I have to notice, like the fact that he's keeping pace with a train, uh, to me, think <laughs> I think that it means he's driving really fast, because I think generally those kind of trains are faster than cars. But Tora is, you know, a pretty reckless guy, and um, oh, I could definitely, I could see him as a speed demon, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, we have some reference to that later as well. Oh yeah, <laughs> I totally <laughs> forgot about that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yep. Well, it looks like we're at the end of this chapter. This was, uh, I don't know if it's shorter than usual or, but. Well, it's a, it's a pretty like uh baseline kind of chapter where it uh, like, it tells the story and it kind of like leads you on. Right. Cause this was the chapter that, you know, uh, they put up, you know, three chapters. Right. And then you either fast pass or you decide to wait. So this was mm-hmm. like the one and I definitely fast passed after this. So. <laughs> and now I'm just stuck for life. <laughs> yeah, I know. I fast passed as soon as I, as soon as I started reading the comic, I fast passed. I was already, it was, what was I up to, man? Like maybe 25-ish or so was when I started. It was up to 25 and then I fast passed. And yeah, this is my, like for 50 cents, a fast pass, worth it. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I've, it, and then I spend, you know, $5 a month on Patreon. So it's, mm-hmm. I just want all the content. And, you know, as someone who like wants to do artistic things myself, I really believe in paying artists for their work. And uh, this is a tremendous amount of work. And I'm like, yes, slowly take my money. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, I think that's why that's like another reason why uh, I either fast pass or um, go with Patreon because like, and I will say, like, Lily puts up a lot of stuff with her Patreon. So I feel like mm-hmm. it is definitely worth the $5 a month for how much content that you get. Sarah, are you on Patreon? Uh, no, I, I can't afford it. But I definitely would want to because I hear a lot of amazing things on there. Yeah. Yep. It's fantastic. Um, so what would you say, Sarah, like, are your um, overarching thoughts about this chapter and like things that you've gleaned about their characters? Like, what are my thoughts on this chapter? Mm-hmm. Or, like, things that, things that you've learned about who Tora and Poppy are from this chapter? Well, like, around the time of... Because when I was so, like, new to uh, to this story, I'm like, oh, okay, so Tora's, like, a, a guy who just uses his uh, intimidation to uh, get what he wants. And uh, Poppy's a really, uh, a really hard-dedicated uh person who's like really into her work and it's like she never like it's like when she was like looking for that last um sheet of paper she was looking for her important one tell how much uh dedication she has to her work and i don't know and i guess like she doesn't really want to mess it up mm-hmm. right yeah she's definitely more of a like a, a course the t's and dot the i's kind of person you know she's anxious about get, yeah, getting everything done yep oh absolutely okay, yeah, well, I think we're good with this this episode. And thank you so much for coming on and doing this episode together. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yep. Okay, awesome. I will catch you guys later. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm.